I think Islam hates us. They have done nothing except wreak havoc and terror for our faith and our religion. We, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad. Foundations of society are fragile. We must be the shepherds of our own civilization. If anyone answers either yes or no without making necessary distinctions, both are not telling the truth. They're lying. Father, we pray that your word will become a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. That you will raise up in this nation pulpits and prophets that will call the nation back to repentance. Will you distance yourself from those who think differently or will you join us at the table and talk about what is really important? This is the Maida Initiative, conversation without compromise. When you have stories about Abraham in church, you have this, they used to have these ridiculous boards where you put up felt pictures of different characters and always felt very far away. But for you, thinking about Abraham, it must feel very close and at very home. Close. Of course. I mean, uh, where he was born and where his grave is, is about five miles, not, not too far. <laughs> so so what, how would you describe the sort of main essence of the story of Abraham? No, this, the, the story of Abraham in Islam, actually, Abraham is, uh, is considered to be the first Muslim, the first person, uh, according to the Quran, which is the, the Holy Book of Muslim, is Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, is the first one to declare himself as uh, a person of Islamic faith. So Islam did not come just after Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And, 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 and uh, we look at him as he is the father of prophets. Uh, it's, uh, of course, the story of Abraham, and peace be upon him, or Ibrahim, as we like to call him, is, uh, is very fascinating because the name of the city of Hebron as well, it's his name under his name. Uh, 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 the essence of the fifth pillar of the Islamic faith actually, which is the pilgrimage or Hajj, also center around the, uh, the, the sacrifice or uh, he, which he was uh, uh, inspired or he was uh, taught in a dream to sacrifice his son. And uh, that's where the essence actually is the fifth pillar of the Islamic faith. Yeah. Uh, it is it, it it centers around the uh, uh, Prophet Abraham peace be upon him sacrificing his son Ismail salam, or we call him Ishmael uh, in in uh, in English, but his name is Ismail salam. So would you say so in the Islamic prophets right? You've got Adam and Noah. Yes. But what makes so from the Islamic perspective, what makes Abraham, Ibrahim the first Muslim rather than Adam or Noah? <clears throat> that, that's great. Actually, in, in Islam, all prophets from Adam, peace be upon him, all the way to Prophet Muhammad, the last one, they all uh, deliver the same message. What is Islam? To get started with first so we can see all prophets technically is uh, preaching the teaching of Islam. What's Islam? Islam, in a brief uh, description, is to believe in one God, to believe in God and to follow his teaching. If you believe in him and follow his teaching, you are following the teaching of Islam. Actually, long, long time ago, I read, I, I read a book about Jesus, please be upon him, that title is Jesus, the prophet of Islam. 
So, so, so I'm not now. I didn't read. I read it thirty years ago. So, so the question is: Is all the prophets teach and deliver the same message to believe in God and to follow His rules? If you do it, you follow it. By definition, you are a Muslim, and that's what Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, that's what we call him the father of the religions. The religions which basically teaches and preaches that believe in one God which is a Christianity, Judaism and Islam and that's where Prophet Ibrahim has a special status from that perspective as well even all of them did the same thing but Prophet Ibrahim has a special status because uh, all the prophets after that came from Prophet Ibrahim peace be upon him the thing that one of the things that I find especially inspirational about Abraham is that he is the quintessential person who leaves his home to and, and not really knowing where he's going right he's an immigrant by nature right because right. he's born in modern day iraq in iraq yeah. and then leaves not really knowing what's ahead of him but trusting god for the future and there's something i think that those of us who get to move countries and live somewhere different not really knowing what's ahead of us we get to share in something that abraham embodied learning to trust god in a different country is is, is a big deal indeed it is a big deal of course things different and more complicated during our days but but yes uh, uh, it, 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 it is a big deal and he trusted and as you said he was born in uh, in uh, modern day iraq uh, he just ended up somewhere in egypt uh, then came to uh, historical Palestine and settled in the city of Hebron. Then went to uh, modern Saudi Arabia, Arabia Peninsula, where he left his uh, newborn child, uh, Ismail alayhi salam, with his wife Hagar. And he came back and forth. So yes, uh, it is it is a fascinating story. But of course, he was directed to do these things. Uh, he was not uh, uh, doing it on his own. Uh, and, and that's where the fifth pillar of the Islamic faith actually centered around him. So explain to me in that moment, right, in the story of Eid, why do you believe that's so important? Well, it's because what Eid is in Islam, there are two Eids, technically. Uh, Eid uh, is an Arabic word which stands for festivities or uh, feast. Uh, so uh, there are only two recognized uh, Eids. One Eid came at the end of the month of Ramadan, the beginning of the month of Shawwal, which is the 10th month of the Islamic calendar. Uh, and the second one, which is we are in it actually today before sunset will be the last day of it, which what we call it Eid Al-Adha, the Feast of Sacrifice or uh, the festival of sacrifice it depends how you translate that and that itself took its name from a prophet abraham peace be upon him when he followed the commands of the almighty allah almighty god uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala and when he did that to basically uh, sacrifice his son in the orders of uh, the almighty god then at that moment when uh, the last second uh, the uh, Almighty God intervened and replaced his son with Aram or Alam 
And this is where the whole Eid is because Eid of sacrifice, the feast of sacrifice, meaning it, it is the whole Muslim tradition since then, sacrifice in commemoration of Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him and his son. So I'm, I'm curious uh, for you personally, does it, how much does it matter who the son was? Because a big difference between Judaism, Christianity, and Islam would be Ishmael or Isaac. Does it matter to you who it is, or what's the? Well, I mean, it, no, it does not matter to me. It is as a person of Islamic faith, uh, as uh, actually shows me how close they are to each other more than how they differ. Uh, we all agree that uh, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, is the father of uh, uh, the major three uh, heavenly religions. Uh, now we agree that the sacrifice happened. Okay, in the Holy Quran, it was mentioned uh, uh, Ismail alayhi salam. Okay, in the, in the Torah or the Bible says uh, Isaac, peace be upon him as well. So, so, so to me, the concept of sacrifice is there, and that's where Muslims continue to honor that moment since then, and they are doing it. So, uh, the important thing to learn from sacrifice. Is, is sacrifice from Abraham's example. What do you, th how do you apply that today, right? How does somebody reading the story, read, you read Abraham's story and you think, this is great, this is wonderful obedience, this is, is wonderful, he's prepared to put everything in front of God. How, how does a person, you know, we don't do sacrifices in the same way today, how do we, how do you apply that? No, we, we, we apply it basically as we were taught by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, during his uh, uh, last sermon uh, when he performed the pilgrimage or the Hajj. Actually, it was the first and the last. Okay? He did it only one time. And, and uh, he taught the people of Islamic faith how the pilgrimage, the fifth pillar of the faith, should be done. And exactly, it's just commemorate Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. And the whole story came from that. And uh, we were told this is also the sacrifice to do it. So it is a matter of faith to do it. And that's where people does it. And if we look at actually it is how it would happen, that the meat you sacrifice, one third for the family, it's, it's even the, how you divide the meat of that uh, lamb or uh, uh, goat or the veal or whatever you, you sacrifice. Uh, even how to divide the meat, how to cut the meat, we were told how to do it. And you take one third of it and give it to the family who did the sacrifice. Another third of the second third, give it to the neighborhood and the friends. And the third has to go to the poor and the needy. And there are so many poor and needy who need it and wait for it. So the, the concept of charity, the concept of giving, and when people talk about thanksgiving, I don't want to introduce it here, but the concept of giving and, and taking care of others also is presented in that perspective. And so the Hajj then is all centered around Abraham. Yes. And then, so obviously Hajj is being one of the fifth pillars. I know it's important. So something I've heard maybe can explain to me with some clarity here is that I, one thing I hear a lot is that for Muslims in Hajj, there's a chance that you can kind of have all your sin up to that point wiped clean and you're like a 
new baby? Well, uh, you hope so. And that's the key. The key here is, of course, if you perform Hajj correctly, the way it should be done, and you do it uh, purely for the sake of the Almighty God, and it is a pillar you must do, and you do it correctly, and you do not commit any sins during it, yes, the, the, the idea and the concept, you will be kind of a newborn, meaning that you cleanse your sins because uh, how, how, how Hajj comes basically the pilgrimage of Hajj or uh, pilig the, the concept of Hajj or pilgrimage uh, happens in the last month in the Islamic calendar now there are 12 months in the Islamic calendar December the month of December in the Islamic calendar is called the month of Dhul Hijjah Dhul Hijjah now, during that, the eighth day of the Hijjah and the ninth and the tenth, plus three more days, these are the days of Hajj. Now, the eighth day is people go to a plain close to the mountain of Arafah. And what's the mountain of Arafah? The mountain of Arafah actually, when Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, came from heaven after the sin they both committed, they met again at the mountain of Arafah. So that's another significance for, for Hajj. They met at the mountain of Arafah. So now, when they go to that, what we call the plain of Mina, during the 8th of that month, in the morning of the 9th, the most sacred date, the best date but people in faith believe in, where you can ask the Almighty God anything you do, and you have millions of people on, on that uh, mountain of Arafah. Uh, so that is where it's people spend all that day, the ninth of the Hijjah, in praying and praying and praying, till just about sunset before they move to the second move of, of, uh, of the, uh, what do you call it, of, of performing the Hajj rituals. So yes, that is that's a belief for us because in Islam there are two legs of the faith. Whatever the Almighty God says and reveals to us in the Holy Quran. And the second thing is what the Prophet, peace be upon him, said and did. So in both, it was clear that if you perform Hajj the way it should be, your sins will be uh, clean. And forgiven so so now I, I so that means that a lot I know a lot of not a lot but several people who because of that are waiting till they're older to do Hajj so that they can kind of get as much sins cleaned as as possible is that something that Muslims are supposed to do or are they supposed to just take the well, opportunity I mean, it is, it, it, it's a good way of looking at it, but you must perform Hajj for the sake of Hajj because in Islam there are five pillars of the faith and uh, you must uh, do four of them is a must, is a requirement you must do. The first one is the declaration of the faith, which basically to testify there is only one God worthy of worship and Prophet Muhammad is the last. He's not the only, he's not the first, he's the last, that's all. Meaning you believe with all prophets before him, but we don't believe there are any prophets came after him. 
That's the first, that's the key to the faith. You must do that first. Then you must pray five times a day. You must uh, give your uh, annual uh, uh, tax due or what we call zakat purification from your wealth. And you must fast the month of Ramadan. So those are there. Hajj is the fifth pillar and there is a condition for it. You must be physically and financially capable to do it. So when you do it, you have to do it. Yes, of course, I would love the outcome to be to cleanse my sins. But that will be the ultimate goal, the ultimate hope to do it right and cleanse your sins. But you have to do it as a pillar of the faith. Right, right, right. So there's something you just you have to do it because you believe God commanded it. But then there's a hope in that that you'll get forgiveness. Yes. Like I have to pray five times. Now, I hope the Almighty God will accept them. How good are they? How bad are they? It's he only knows. This is why in the Islamic faith also we cannot judge people. It's only the Almighty God who can judge because he knows what is in your heart. You cannot prejudge. You cannot mentally judge. You cannot. It is him who only can judge, who only can decide who's right, who's wrong. So I'm one. One thing I'm I'm curious about is with 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 Hajj, right? You've got all these descriptions about who Abraham was, what he did. Wh where does that information come from in the Islamic tradition? It, it came from the from the Holy Quran. Technically, it came from the Holy Quran and the teaching of the Prophet, because the Holy Quran, as a people of Islamic faith, we believe it is from God word by word it was revealed to the prophet peace be upon him over 23 years so it did not come on time and it, it came into peace it, it came in pieces so he had the prophet he had no say how to organize the quran or how to put these verses came to him he was we believe he was directed by the angel gabriel to organize the Quran and whenever he used to get any revelation he used to have about I'm not sure eight or ten writers he used to come and tell them today I the following was revealed to me he gave them these verses and I was told you place you you place these verses under that chapter that before and after so so that's what it is now then some of these verses when they used to come they used to come to address a special occasions then it's very clear so what it, for this means it's restricted for that specific reason some of it used to come and address a general idea and still valid so the the, the prophet peace be upon him he used to explain and with the companions deliver the knowledge and the people after that of course kept maintaining that knowledge the meaning of it. So the story of Ibrahim, peace be upon him, it is in the Quran in very detail. And, and so with some things that come for a specific audience, then some things that are general, right? Would, yeah. would alcohol be a good example of that? I, th I think it will be, well, it, 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 uh, that's in a different category. For example, yes, it's a good example. Uh, uh, somebody might come and say the Quran never prohibited alcohol. I have a Saudi friend. <laughs> yes, and, and, and he can bring to you a verse telling you, look, Look what, what God says. He says this, this is. He doesn't say it's forbidden. Just when you come to pray, just be be aware, maybe be, be alert, don't be drunk. Uh, but 
That's not true. It is true, but it is basically what we call it. Uh, it's not completely true because that verse, in engineering term, we call it obsolete because another verse came and make a final decision to make it prohibited and you're not supposed to drink it. So, so yes, some of them, you are correct, came to address certain uh, circumstances uh, to do it. Other things, for example, when the, the Persian, uh, which they were not uh, uh, people of faith, uh, basically, uh, they uh, defeated the, uh, the Romans, which they were Christians. And, and we have a chapter about that, that was limited to that story. And uh, you know, the Arabs in the Arabia Peninsula, they were some very few weak Muslims, people of Islamic faith, and they have the majority are disbelievers, don't believe in, in, in any faith. No Christianity, no Judaism, no Islam, nothing. They don't believe in anything. So the, uh, the, the, the Arab who disbelieve in their faith, they were celebrating the streets of the city of Mecca. Uh, why? Because the Persian, they said, our brothers, their brothers, defeated your brothers, being the Christian, the Romans. Muslims were sad and crying and weeping, and the non-believer Arabs celebrating. Then the God revealed that chapter where they said, yes, the Romans were defeated, but they will defeat them within a few years. And the believers will be uh, rejoicing and, and, and happy and celebrating. Indeed, within nine years, the Romans defeated the Persians and that story. So that's limited to that story. Right, right. Yes. So before we get into the sort of the the sort of biblical story of Abraham, to, to clarify, in, in the Islamic worldview, there's something very special about being a prophet. In Not just that you hear the God's voice, but you have to have a special type of character in Islam. Is that right? Yes. Of course, yes, you have to. You have to have uh, special characters. You have to be selected by the Almighty God. So you can't just claim you are a prophet. You have to be selected and you have to be communicated to, like Moses, peace be upon him. He did talk to the Almighty God directly. Of course, Abraham is, is, is the father of all. I mean, is, uh, is different. But yes, you can select yourself. You can choose yourself. The Almighty God has to select you and communicate with you through his means. The, the um the so that's that that in my mind is one of the biggest differences between the way Christians and Muslims would would see prophets in the in in the Bible Abraham obviously is taught, God communicates with Abraham right and he he's he's what we call him in Islam he is Khalilullah you see his the title of him he is Khalilullah the friend of Allah the friend of God. That is what's his title in Islam. And actually the name of the city of Hebron, Al-Khalil, it is in honor of his name. So in the Bible, Abraham Abraham is would be a prophet, but a prophet can be a normal man in that you don't necessarily have any exemplary character to start with, but God himself calls people and he calls Abraham to leave his home through faith. And Abraham's journey is very interesting because in the Bible, there's several instances where Abraham is, you know, does things that 
are not great things in the two different countries he goes to he's afraid that people will want to marry his wife so he's okay do me this kindness when we go into a new place tell everybody that you're my sister and then twice there's somebody about to marry his wife and then god comes to them in a dream and says you're about to touch a married woman don't do it then they have to go and apologize to abraham for those things those things happening and then abraham prays to them and and they're forgiven but what one thing that's interesting that i don't know if this is that I, I would assume this is different that there's times where abraham actually speaks with god face to face in the in the bible's narrative I don't know about this in Islam. You see, we 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 we, we strongly believe the Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, is 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 uh, the father. That's enough. I mean, he's the patriot of of monotheism. He's the patriot of of their belief in one God, uh, religions, heavenly religions. Uh, but uh, if he talked with God directly or not, I I don't know. Uh, uh, in Islam, one thing we need to know: the difference between Islam and other faiths uh, is. Uh, in Islam, we cannot uh, alter, like for example, let's go to the Quran, the, the, the original copy, the first copy, which was collected together, still exists, and it is in Turkey. The first copy, you cannot uh, translate Quran, you only translate the meaning of the Quran. And you cannot alter a word. You can see, well, you mentioned example alcohol, but that this verse was no longer valid, just cross it. You cannot, you cannot simplify it. It is the same word, the same pronunciation, the same uh, vowels, everything. So that's one difference between Islam and other faiths is we cannot, for example, uh, uh, try to uh, simplify or, or uh, you can accept, ex simplify a little bit but to a point you cannot alter or change uh, some meaning to, to please others uh, or just to say well now we are in the 20th century but this is what it means so we, we can do that so I, I don't believe there is a story within Islam where it says Prophet Abraham peace be upon him did talk to God maybe he is I am not aware of it so you're saying that the Quran in the Topkapi Palace Museum in, in Turkey is one of the Uthmanic Qurans? It's not Uthmanic. Uh, it, is, uh, it is the original, the first copy. The first copy of Quran which was written is still there. Meaning that when people try even to alter a word in the whole holy book, the whole Quran, they could not. They were discovered. Not a single word was altered since the free, the original copy was written. So that's what the Quran in Arabic. You will have some English versions that this is not a Quran. This is a translation of the meaning, not a translation of Quran. Mm -hmm. Translation of the meaning of what that verb. Now, the meaning, it depends now on the person. Like when you come and try to explain Quran, about 20, 25 volumes. So how can you, you combine 20, 25 volumes into one small booklet? So of course you're gonna cut and paste and, and, and do a lot of things, doesn't make. But always when you differ, you come to the original copy in Arabic and then you can see the meanings of it. So the Quran itself is not translated. It's not even altered. It's the same word by word, letter by letter. 
And so the, the manuscript in the Top Copy Palace has the vowel pointing and the cura art as well? Uh, no, the addition of those came about 60 years later. Okay. 50 years, they start adding them because people, now Islam starts spreading everywhere and, and they were uh, depending on memorization. So they start adding that, uh, 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 what do you call it? The uh, cura, the, uh, the vowel pointing. The vowel pointing, yes. But, uh, but of course, the original one, people who speak it and without the one point. And so you've got, you've got the kira'a, which is the, rec is the yes. recitation based on dialects. And then yes. you've got the hafs, which is the, the written manuscripts. Yes. And, 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 and the, the pronunciation exactly started within 60 years after that, yes. There'd be a lot to talk about about that. Yes. But that's, I think that's another episode. That's another okay. episode. Okay. Um, so... Um, that because I, I think you know, while you'd say that about the Quran, right? We we would argue the exact same thing about the Bible. That God's God both speaks His word and always protects His word as well. So, as Christians, we don't believe that the Torah given to Moses can fundamentally be changed. That what we have today is what was written to Moses. And while there's all sorts of historical evidence we can go and look at to kind of demonstrate that that's the case, what's more important than that is that God himself is the one who preserves his own history and his own scriptures. And no one can change, no one can change, it. Can God, can change God's words. So what's interesting is that one of, the, one of the most interesting stories about Abraham, and I think one of the reasons he's called the friend of God, is the kinds of conversations they, they actually have. Because I know one thing, the, I know you have at least part of the story in the Quran. You have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And what it says is that God and two others come to Abraham, and while two, two others go down to the city to look at the sins, God talks to Abraham and he says, shall we conceal what we're going to do from Abraham? Because surely he'll, he's going to become a great nation. And then God tells Abraham, I'm going to judge the city and everyone in it. And Abraham turns to God and says, "Do not, please don't be angry. If there are 50 righteous people in this city, will you destroy it? And God says, if there's 50 righteous people in the city, I will not destroy it. And then Abraham says, well, okay, what about, what are there's 40 righteous people in the city? Will you destroy it then? And God says, no, if there are 40 righteous people in the city, I'll not destroy it. And Abraham goes down and down and down and down. And Abraham says, please do not be angry. What if there are five righteous people in the city? Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And God says, if there's five people, I'll spare the city on account of those five. Now, there's four people in the city, and God sends his angels to rescue Lot and his daughters from the city. And Lot's, and Lot's wife, who is turned into a pillar of salt. Um, but ultimately, we kind of believe that that's something of an example of how we're supposed to interact with God. That we're supposed to have fundamental trust in his character that he is going to do good and believe accordingly. So by Abraham questioning God in his prayers, it's not a, there's a way to question God, which is skeptical, right? That you don't trust and that you don't 
believe he has good things. But the way Abraham trusts God is one that believes fundamentally in God's goodness. And because of that, he is free to ask God questions. Well, I mean, it's, that's actually, that's what you'll find. This is a kind of a, uh, one of the major differences between Islam and and, uh, and Christianity, if I want to speak uh, uh, in that perspective. Sometimes in Christianity, they go to too much detail on the discussions. In Islam, no, we don't have these stories. We might, uh, uh, if we repeat it, what we call it, Israeliyat. Israeliyat, meaning that there are some stories being uh, said in the Torah mm-hmm. and, and uh, from the Jewish faith, and we take it, but they have to reference it that way. But uh, but uh, if uh, uh, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, did talk to God that way, I we, I don't believe we, we have a record says this way. We have, yes, uh, a few angels came to Prophet Abraham and, and talked to him, and they went to the city of Lot, right? And... and uh, did what they did. It's what you, it was a discussion between him and some uh, some angels, but not God. So the, that the detail of the discussions is is normally uh, in Islam will be afraid to indulge uh, mm-hmm. too much in detail, and that's where I would love to uh, and want other uh, uh, friends in uh, in the Christian faith to understand. Sometimes Muslims don't go in that much detail because if if it's not, if they are not sure about it, they will hesitate to say it. Uh, the, the, it's it's out of, of of respect for God and out of respect for the prophet themselves. But on on the same token, right? You still have the belief. You know, one of the six pillars of faith in Islam is all God's prophets and all God's books. That is, uh, yeah. We have articles of faith. We have pillars of the faith, and we have the articles, right? The, the articles you are correct, they are six. One of them, of course, we have to believe in all prophets of God. And we have to believe in all books of God. There's no question. You have to, we must. I can't say I don't believe. I have to believe it. Part of my faith to believe in all prophets of God. Part of my faith to believe in all books of God. We believe in the, in the Torah of Moses. We believe in the uh, uh, Bible of, uh, uh, of Jesus, peace be upon him. We believe in the the sons of David. So, so we have to. We have to believe in all of those. Uh, we, uh, now, sometimes the stories where some people start saying stories, uh, if if we don't have, like in Islam, even when some people, Quran is a Quran to them. The people of Islam faith. Quran is clear, no question. Right? It's very clear. Anybody have a book Quran can go and verify the verses there. Now, when people take the second leg of the Islamic faith, what the Prophet said or did, we call it the Sunnah. Now, you will see so many differences in Islam and how they divide this from very authentic to less authentic, to kind of a sound one, to a kind of a weak one, to a kind of no, it has just been not true. And they have very strict guidelines and, and criteria how they can clarify that. So when it comes to the faith, that's what I'm saying. If you deal with a person who is uh, at least have some fear of the faith, they will not say something they don't know or they are not certain about it. Even if you meet with uh, 
what we call in the Shaykh, the people who study their faith and spend four or five, ten years studying it, if they are not certain, they can say up to here they stop because they do not know uh, the rest of it. But they will go and they do some research and they will come back and tell you, for example, this is what we found. So, so is what you're saying then that you wouldn't, you'd have a, you'd, anytime you're interacting with stories about, say, people of Israel, you'd want to rely on an Islamic scholar to be able to tell you what's, what you believe is accurate, what you believe is not accurate. Uh, well, I, mean, we, I think we can, we, we, we might, no, they, if they take it, they will say we took it from what we call Israeliyat, people mm -hmm. from the Torah, from the people of Israel. People of Israel basically, Yaqub uh, which is Jacob, right? So, so this is it means it came from that books. So they, they immediately they put the reference to, to it. They reference it right away. So you would, but then out of respect, you'd ha you wouldn't want to like go and take information out of those books and say, okay, these are the words of God. No, we cannot. You see, that's that's where that's where in Islam, even uh, uh, the only thing we believe the word of God is the Quran. The Prophet, he said he did. Yes, he said it. Yes, he did it. He was inspired. But Quran is literally the word of God. Now, the, what the Prophet did or said, it was just inspirational things. He was guided to do it that way. He was guided to the truth. And that's what you can see different if you observe sometimes how people uh, in Islam uh, pray. You will find different things. We talk about Eid uh, and, and how people celebrate uh, in Eid. You tell me here in the, the most diverse basically uh, mosque, not in the state, but maybe uh, one of the most diverse I could say in the nation, you will find here at least mosque in Northgate. Because we have people from all corners of uh, 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 of the globe, they they are there. Not of course different levels of it. Now those people come with their culture, and and I struggle a lot with them, because I can see they mix the culture with their faith, and now to bring them together, and tell them this is what the faith is, and this is what the culture is, and that's where sometimes now come to the celebration is is you'll find people celebrate differently their culture became unknowingly part of the faith but it's not the faith this is where you can see the differences this is why we always go back to the source how you manage them we disagree fine go to the source what's the source this is the quran show me what you're doing from where you got it oh it's not there okay so show me where the prophet said it Actually, we, we, we have confrontation a couple of times with some people who believe during the Prophet, peace be upon him, time, uh, people used to come, they're passing through, people, the travelers, they can stay at the mosque for three nights, no question asked. And we have a policy, we don't allow people to stay. And I personally uh, confronted with a few of them. It took me a while to let them give the message, there is no overnight. You come, you pray, and you leave. Now, they, at the end, they put in my face uh, prophets, uh, peace be upon him, sayings. This is what the prophet said. You are in violation of the prophet. I said, awesome. 
I said, that's what the prophet said. I went to the book explaining what the prophet said. I said, you see here, I have three pages explaining what he said. You took this portion, I took the other one. Differences. Now, that's what I'm saying is, is sometimes we'll be, if we don't have reference to go to, we'll be afraid and we'll speak it. So when, when kind of going to the source of Abraham, yes. right? So it seems to me this is the biggest source of potential differences here, that you talk about Abraham being the first Muslim. Now, it, it, if you want to kind of label that as, you know, submission to God and obeying what he says, right? It, yes. it, it's a fairly, you know, easy case to make. But I guess where the differences come really come from not just what Abraham did, but what his interactions were with God were like, and that we're probably going to disagree on the meanings of those things if we disagree with what the sources actually are. Well, I mean, it is actually in Quran we we have the, we we have now how he did talk to God we don't know, but we have stories about about the Prophet Abraham peace be upon him and how he talked to God, but not what the way you mentioned it. What we know, for example, when he asked the Almighty God to show him how he created dead people. How you put life in a person when, when a person dies? How, how you do it? The Almighty God told him, I mean, do you believe? He said, of course I believe, but I want to have, like, I, I want my, my heart to, uh, to, to settle, to, 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 to just uh, uh, be stronger in it. Anyway, so he told him, okay, now you have two or four birds and cut them into pieces and put them into four different uh, mountains and locations and ask him to do certain things and the birds came to him. This is how he created, he, he for example, resurrected the dead and put life, uh, the, uh, put, give them life again after they die. So we have that story in Quran, so we can't deny it. Mm -hmm. But other stories <clears throat> being reported, the reason I mentioned the Prophet saying is, uh, and, and that group who said, yes, the Prophet said this, and therefore we have the right to stay at the mosque, uh, theirs, and since we did not allow them, we are in violation of that. Uh, now, that's a source. We showed him other sources disagree with them. But you will not find anybody disagree with the Quran. This is what it means, and this is how he did it. So, so that's what I'm, what I'm saying. The, the source, yes, we have uh, a clear uh, communication and questioning between the Almighty God and Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. But how that happened, we don't know. And and that and that is a, is a very interesting question with a lot of with a lot of applications, right? Mm -hmm. Because if Abraham met with God in a way that God physically entered into his creation. And actually had a meal with Abraham. Exactly. Right. So, or if it's just through an angel, that's a huge implication, right? Exactly. And that, that's exactly that's what I said. It's, is that the Almighty God is what we call him. He's Qulhu Allahu Ahad, Allahu Samad, Lam Yalid wa Lam Yulad, wa Lam Yakun Lahu Kufu Ahad. So, so the, the the Almighty God, it's not he eats and drinks like you and I. He, he cannot. He cannot. Uh, it's different. That's that's where that, that that's where. Yes, it's a it's a huge difference. I agree with you from that perspective. God the Almighty is above. We can't describe. We can't even imagine our mind nowadays. We uh, we have a story. I'm going to connect it to to Moses. Peace be upon him. 
when Moses, peace be upon him, according to the Quran, asked the Almighty God to appear to him so he would like to see him. And the Almighty God told him, look at this mountain. If you can see the mountain, you can see me. And when the Almighty God appeared to the mountain, the mountain disappeared and, and Moses uh, dropped on, on the ground uh, things. Then he seek forgiveness and he came back. So we don't believe anybody saw God. You see, that's where it's part of the faith. I mean, God is above everything. We love Abraham. He's our father. Mm -hmm. I mean, but God is above everything. It's not just to come and, and, and meet with people and eat with people. No. We believe every night, every morning, he come to the lower heavens and he asks people to seek forgiveness of him. How he does it, we really don't know. How he looks, we really don't know. But we have... Uh, evidence in the Islamic faith is the Almighty God basically because I want to make a connection here one of the great things in Islam is repentance meaning that you commit a sin you repent to the Almighty God and the repentance is just direct communication between you and the Almighty God now you do not need anybody in between you and him you committed the sin you turn your face to the Almighty God you pray you ask him for forgiveness done you don't need to expose yourself to anybody about that sin it's okay to feel guilty about it but you're not going to be held hostage for your sin you can repent now the almighty god says or, or, or the, the, the 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 prophet teaching told us the almighty god every day every evening comes to the lower heavens just the last portion of the night just before dawn and he asked people, anybody who needs forgiveness, ask. Now, where he comes? How he comes? We don't know. But we believe he is because the saying says that. So we don't go into the detail of that other than the last hour or so before dawn. Just it's a great time to go and ask the Almighty God for forgiveness, whatever you want. So you see what the difference? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 absolutely, it's, it's huge, right? Yes. Um, because... In, you've got two threat. You've got two threads, right? And this becomes the question of what is the story of the prophets? Because in the story of the prophets in in the Torah and the Injil, you have a story of Abraham is the friend of God and speaks to God face to face. In the Torah, it says Moses would see would speak with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then we believe Jesus is God entering into humanity as well, so that through Jesus. We have direct access to God, not based on like a time of day or a time of year, but because of his sacrifice, God sacrificing his own son. Again, that's a whole other episode okay. um, that we have access to stand before God all the time directly because of what Jesus has done. And you know, we don't as Protestant Christians, we don't go to confession and see a priest or anything. We believe we can also speak directly to God and that Jesus is the only mediator between human and divine because he himself is both god and divine you see see we are halfway there i mean you see, you see the difference we are very close the only difference is we see we don't need anybody in between you say it is and that that, that that's where it is we, we don't believe we need anybody in between and we just immediately talk to god and god talk to us now how god talk to you how god talk to me every day every day we have a, in Islam, if you need to talk to God, you need to pray. So in the prayers, I am talking to God. 
If you want God to talk to you, you read the Quran. When you read the Quran, God is talking to you. Now, how that happened, I don't know. But see, that's the reason where in Islam, that imagination, we, we leave it out because, because one of the worst sins in Islam is to, uh, uh, to uh, ascribe partners with Almighty God. He's one. He's the only. He's above everything. And nobody like him. But how he looks, how he speaks, this is hands of God. How is the hand of God? Is it like our hand? We don't know. We don't even think about it. We don't know. He, uh, it is, he's on the throne. How the throne looks? We don't know. There is heavens, there is hells, there are all these things. That's fine. So that's part of the faith where we do it. And, and, and we, we, we talk to him uh, just through prayers. That's it. But we, we, we don't uh, try to, to go beyond that faithfully uh, because we'd be afraid. Well, right, right, right. So ultimately, right, this is ultimately about what God either has or has not revealed. And that's really where the question stops because ultimately God is beyond our comprehension. Yeah. And when God speaks... We have to listen. Yes. So the, the the what Christians and Muslims have to figure out is what God has actually spoken, and I think we could I could listen to you talk for a lot longer, but our time is up. Okay. So thank you for being here, and thank, thank you. you guys for listening to the Almeida Initiative podcast. We will be back next week. 